Whoa, 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 whoa. There's still plenty of meat on that bone. Now you take this home, throw it in a pot, add some broth, a potato. Baby, you got a stew going. One, two, three. Yes. Wrestling. Oh. Charlotte Flair shut the mouths of all the internet porn-watching Morlocks. I have moles. Yes, the subterranean mammal. And Seth Rollins was like, yeah, psych. And he just hit the sledgehammer onto the toolbox, onto the chair, onto the ladder, with Bray Wyatt's head safely underneath. They want us to be cheering Seth Rollins after he attacked a mentally handicapped man. So let's move on to Monday Night Raw, sponsored by Brazzers. Yeah. Uh, nothing like helping out my friends with gold dust and, well, you know, the women underwear. Welcome all you Yesenites to 123 Yes Wrestling and our better late than never WrestleMania 36 recap show. I am Chris and I am here with Ed. How we doing, Ed? You know, it was like a fine stew. We were making a delicious stew over the last two weeks as we let all that happened in professional wrestling marinate in those lovely juices of what they do. And here we are now, two weeks later, the return of 123 Yes Wrestling to talk about wrestling without fans. What a time to be alive, right? Not only wrestling without fans, but WrestleMania without fans. Two solid days of WrestleMania without fans. We have lots of thoughts, lots of good, lots of bad, and lots of wrestling to talk about this week. We are going to jump all right into that. But first, make sure you like, subscribe, and follow us on all social media and podcast services always shoot us an email at 123yeswrestling at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm and always rate and review us and we're looking for how many stars cor- oh. 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 but we are looking for five stars five stars five stars that's, that's how many we're right. looking for five stars three times so everybody go out there and do five stars three times it's gonna be awesome hey it man is. Real quick, because I know we got a lot to go through. How you doing, man? You doing all right? I am doing good. Um, work at the Amazon continues. I uh, had to work six days in a row, uh, which, uh, hey, you know, it happens. Uh, one of my team members actually popped a high temperature, uh, so uh, they were sent home. They are okay, and they okay. should be returning tomorrow. But uh, that caused me to have to, you know, be my essential self and do my thing at Amazon. But I got a day off, and... Got some stuff done around the house and couldn't wait to put down some recording time for 123S Wrestling right now. It has been way too long. I know I've been pumping out articles for CBR.com, working wrestling features writer, writing all about stuff that happened in WrestleMania and a lot of speculation coming out over on that website. So make sure, I'm sure you guys have seen the links on our Facebook page, but if not, check out the wrestling page over at CBR. That's comic book reviews, but CBR.com. And give me some clicks. I'd like I'd like more. I, I want them all. I feed on clicks. You're doing a good job. The articles have just something, you know, very, you know, poignant about them. That's the word I'm going to use because uh, I think the one thing that happens, anybody can write wrestling articles, but 
when you come in with a strong opinion and maybe even a couple things that people haven't seen before or haven't thought about, that's what makes a good wrestling discussion. So support my boy Chris, read his articles, click those links, and get him paid. And I, I do want to say, because I'm, it came out a lot more after I put my article out, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I was the first one to say that Undertaker and Sting should have a Boneyard match. So, you know, I mean... Everybody yes. got that from me. I'm going to I'm going to take credit for that. Damn right. <laughs> I'm sure that's wrong. But Ed, we watched WrestleMania a couple weeks ago. It was two nights. There were no crowds. It was at the uh Performance Center down in Florida. Now before we get into kind of everything, the big thing which came from this, which there were always rumors that it may happen sooner rather than later and they went for it this year. WrestleMania was split over two days. How do you think that went over um just overall, regardless of crowd, just kind of how did you like having two days of WrestleMania? Um, in, in a nutshell, I thought it was great. Um, I feel that in this regard, you had a real chance to give everybody their chance to be important on their given night. And that's something that unfortunately over the last couple of years has kind of uh, been a bad thing about Manias being so long as you do have a lot of high quality matches but they get lost in the shuffle after three or four hours sitting there as he as not only a person in the audience, but a person watching it on TV. It is a lot to commit to. So I thought it was a good idea. I liked it. And I'm really hoping that they keep this uh, as a thing going forward, because if you think about it, you've gone to mania. We all went to Texas, you know, a couple of years ago and had a great time. It's already treated like a gigantic music fest. So why not break it up over multiple nights? Yeah, I know uh, New Japan did it this year with the Wrestle Kingdom. They did the two nights. It was fun to watch it. Like I said, theirs was still, Wrestle Kingdom still had about four hours per night. So that was still a show. I really appreciated that WrestleMania Day 1 was over at 9 o'clock our time. Like it was 9 on the dot and WrestleMania was over. And I was like, what's going on? It's not 11 o'clock and I have to, you know, I'm crashing hard. It was, you know, or even like last year at WrestleMania in New York where it was past midnight when that damn thing was off the air. It's like I've been sitting here since 4 o'clock in the afternoon to midnight. No, going from 6 to 9, done. 6 to 9.30 on night two, done. I loved it. I loved that. I If they want to do that every year and then think about the idea of, I know Corey's mentioned it before, whether it's on the show or in a text uh, chat, how many, you know, could they do two different stadiums for each night? Could they do two different cities for each night? Could they do, you know, I mean, like what kind of revenue could come their way if they actually put on two giant shows of WrestleMania scale in two different locales? I mean, you split the audience to a point, but do you really? If the cities are close enough, you could still get those people who come from overseas. And the only way I'd ever see that working is if they really took the the um, brand splits completely serious to the point that you actually had fans emerged that were biased against one brand or the other. Which they've tried to do that with the with the talent, like you know when they wear blue or red shirts during the draft and like. Team Raw, Team SmackDown, and the audience is like, I don't care. Like, But if you actually developed each show having a separate identity, separate rosters for an entire year with compelling storylines, you could absolutely make that work because I would have to decide, hey, do I want to go to the SmackDown WrestleMania or do I want to go to the Raw WrestleMania? And that would be the only way I'd ever feasibly see it being two cities. But 
you know, they have done it before. WrestleMania, what was it, three, I want to say, took place in three different cities. WrestleMania uh, two. Two, two different cities. So they've. this is an idea they've played with before, so it's very easy that they could try it again. I'm very curious to see what WrestleMania would look like next year. Can, you know, that's all putting the asterisks that, you know, WrestleMania is allowed to happen next year as well. So <laughs> who really knows when large gatherings are going to be able to say, I saw a report today where they were saying next September before concerts and large events. So we'll see how everything, how the world has changed. But you know what hasn't changed? We haven't changed, Ed. No. Still talking to you through a computer like yep. I'm. You know, I still feel like I'm in a bunker. I haven't left my house in three weeks and it just went by because I'm introverted as hell and just it just feels like a normal, normal day. So we are going to move on. But we either question for you before we really jump in, because I know I said that already twice and we're 10 minutes in and we haven't talked about a damn thing. What was your favorite day without going too much into that? Did you enjoy WrestleMania day one or WrestleMania day two? Just I from your enjoyed gut. I think I enjoyed day one only because I mean, I enjoyed both days, but if I were to say which one I enjoyed most, it was day one because look, and I've said on this podcast, I was not a fan of continuing to have wrestling on during the pandemic. I'm still not a big fan that they are continuing past mania, but I respected the fact that they were going to try to put together a show given the circumstances and to see what they did on day one, it brought me out of my funk. I really was able to forget about things for a few hours. And I could definitely see the tender, loving care that was put into what they were trying to accomplish with Mania Weekend this year. So that's why I give day one the edge. My favorite overall match is on night two, which we'll talk about. But day one was a lot of fun. Absolutely. So let's get into WrestleMania Day 1, which took place a Saturday, so many Saturdays ago, in a faraway land, and nobody even can remember WrestleMania Day 1 anymore, but we are going to remind you, this is going to be like a time capsule from two weeks ago, because I know for a lot of you, it feels like it's been months since you've stepped outside. So WrestleMania was forever ago, but it opened on Day 1 with the Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the... Women's Tag Team Championship. This was a solid match to open the whole thing, you know, because unfortunately, you know, it took it takes a little bit to get used to. It took a little bit to get used to that setting, you know, that it was just like there's no people, there's no crowd. You can hear people. How do do I like this? Is this really WrestleMania this year? You know, there was a there was a little bit of time it took to really get used to what we were looking at. And I thought this was a really great match to kind of warm you up to what WrestleMania was this year. Yeah. I mean, I give all credit to them because this is the show opener of a show that's not in front of people that had to have been a tremendous amount of pressure. And at the same time, I give a lot of credit to the production because you really focused all of your energy on what's happening in the ring they did a great job of building up walls, literally walls where the people would normally sit and lighting them up and giving us lots of color and, you know, good, like positive images in place of where the people would be, not just an empty void, which I think is one of the best things they could have done from a production uh, standpoint. But the match itself, hey, great. And, you know, I want to give credit to Asuka. She has found herself 
thriving in this no fan atmosphere because she you can finally hear her her vocals and how like intense she is with speaking during the matches but also her little brief cameos on the uh commentary have been so much fun too so um you know i i had a feeling they would drop the belts which is what happened but overall this was a good way to start the show in my opinion and it showed what was really going to go basically through the whole rest of the night was that everything was going to be hard like they were stiff in this match they and they went what my nervousness was was because there was going to be no crowd because there was going to be no energy that they they were going to give half-assed performances and this wasn't going to be, you know, WrestleMania is the one show a year where they go all out, you know, because everyone wants a WrestleMania moment. And this year, were we going to get that? And then I think we did. And then some. But none of I mean, to hats off to every single match, whether I liked it or not, they all busted their ass to entertain the people who aren't there and entertain us at home. And they really took some moves that I was just, I know had to be hard when you did your adrenaline is not pumping as much. So, and this was the first match showing, okay, they are going to, they're going to go a little bit. So I really, I thought it was a solid opener for day one, not a huge match, but it's still just a big enough match where you can be like, all right, let's get in this. And then, like you said, with Asuka and them starting to talk and tell the story in the ring a little bit differently, being able to use their vocals was really kind of, Something that a lot of some other matches needed to do that they did not at, on right. this card. So it was yeah. definitely a solid opener. I agree. Then we moved on to Elias versus King Corbin, which was a match once again stiff as hell. They were, uh, I was actually enjoyed this match more than I thought I would. This was the first match almost of day one because day one to me had a lot of just finishes out of nowhere. It was just all of a sudden someone got rolled up and it was over. And I was like, whoa, I didn't. You, you, there was no build to the finish. Right. Like a lot of finishes, I sometimes wasn't even paying attention. And all of a sudden I was like, one, two, three, what? And I, that, I didn't feel that that was coming. One, two, three, yes, wrestling. Uh, one, two, three, yes, wrestling. No, you know, the thing that's very interesting about the, the no fan thing is we don't have a way to respond to the finishes. Mm-hmm. So... That was something I noticed with this match, too, is, you know, I was enjoying it. And then it was over and it was like, well, wait, like, am I mad? Am I frustrated? I can't tell because I can't hear what the crowd is thinking, you know, like so. And that's like a whole new take on them just being able to deliver story like, hey, this is what it is like. You don't have a you don't have a chance to hear anybody reacting to it. So that was a very that was the moment of Zen of the night for me where it was like. This is going to be different, and I and I think I'm going to like this, and that um, also leads me to my point about King Corbin. Uh, this guy's great, and I really am excited for him this year. I fully expect him to win the Royal Rumble now this year. I think they're going to be due for a heel winning it. So I think King Corbin is going to have a dynamite year uh, after his showing at Mania. I really think it, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, he really does take what they give him, and he makes it work. And like I said, he's one of the t- only true heels that's working where you really just want to see him get beat up, and you really just want to see him, yeah, take a punch to the face. Yeah. Um, and credit now, to Elias, too. I mean, I feel like they're trying to get back on track with build, building him up as a solid face. They just got to stick to it. Like they got to stick to it or else 
It's just going to be the whole wishy-washy treatment he got all, you know, let's say starting two years ago, it feels like, when he did, when he first came up. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, and shame on me, but, you know, it's been two weeks. Who the hell won this match? <laughs> I, I know it was a roll-up. Corbin. Corbin, Corbin yeah, won. Corbin okay. Won. Mm-hmm. I didn't write that down because I know who won every other match just off the top of my head. And when I wrote it down, it was, you know, a couple days after yep. the show happened. But the king like, prevailed. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. But yeah, King Corbin did pull off the win in that one. Um, and it was a cool, uh, it was a hard hitting match. Up next, we had another hard hitting match, which was Becky Lynch defending the Raw Women's Championship against Shayna Baszler. And. I know overall, I think this match was found very positive, but to me, this was the first, I don't know, letdown match. So I'm going to say it like this. Um, I've been extremely disappointed with Shayna Baszler on the main roster. Um, I don't know what the problem is because she's very much, for the most part, the same character, but it probably started when they just had her bite Becky on the back of her neck to start this off. It just didn't start off right. And I feel that she, her in-ring has not been as riveting as it was in NXT. And to be honest, I wasn't that surprised when she didn't win this match. Everybody kind of thought this was a foregone conclusion that Baszler was going to get that belt. And I think they realized with Becky Lynch, you can do so much with her now. Because you've got the belt on her long enough to where you could flip her into a strong heel if you wanted to. You could just keep the momentum as her being the man and, you know, keep this title ring going. But I didn't think Baszler deserved to win. And this match proved that she didn't deserve to win. This was, I thought, a very subpar match. I did not enjoy it that much, to be honest. No, I mean, yeah. And this was another one where the finish came out of nowhere. And it was the same Baszler finish where she gets rolled up because she's doing her submission. And she gets rolled up, and that's the only way she's ever lost. And it's like, come on. It's just like the dude's wearing cups. You know, you get kicked in the nuts enough times, start wearing a cup. Shame on – I don't feel bad for you when you get kicked – when Brock Lesnar gets kicked in the junk, I don't feel bad for him because people have been doing it for years at this point, and it's the only way he's ever lost. And Shayna Baszler's the same way. If you keep getting rolled up that way, protect yourself. Right. And it's just – it seems like a cheap finish. And, of course, the roll-up is. I hate roll-up finishes, and we had a lot of them. But – it's just one of those things where it's just like, okay, but Shayna Baszler's main roster run. I mean, she had that Survivor Series main event where she took the win and nobody gave a shit. You know, and that match was kind of like, I mean, we were there. That match was kind of just like, what's going on in this match? The crowd well, didn't care. The, the ironic thing about it is think about her. Think about what her character was in NXT. It very much is kind of what Becky Lynch was in the beginning when the man first became a character like this badass i'm gonna kick the shit out of everyone mentality so i almost feel like if becky lynch would have never became the man you could have easily had this type of a character on Shayna baszler mm-hmm. but because becky lynch has done such a good job with this character it just oh another badass chick is here okay you know so baszler if she's gonna make it on raw or smackdown she's got to find a little bit of a different edge as edgy as and as good as she is from her NXT days. She has to evolve. I think it to remain relevant or else it's not going to be a pretty run at all. So, well, it's hard 
you know, NXT, she was coming from being the division. She was, she right. took the reins from Asuka and became, she ran that division for two years and she was, nobody could beat her. She finished everybody. She'd have some challenges. She put on some hell of a match, but she always came out on top. And now she's hitting the main roster where you just wrestle so much and you, you know, everybody's got to be protected. And it's just a completely different style that they need to figure out what her character is and how they want to, what they want to do with it. Yep. So it's kind of, there, I know that they worked hard. I know it kind of they beat the crap out of each other. I was kind of surprised that Becky Lynch won because you just kind of assumed that the whole thing was set up, you know, especially with how bad Baszler destroyed everyone at the Elimination Chamber. It was like, well, you wouldn't just sacrifice your whole women's division to have her lose at Mania, and that's exactly what they did. So it was kind of like, so even this ending was my first like, oh, okay, cool, cool. And then it made me wonder, which we'll talk about later at some point, I'm sure whether it's this show or the next one, but it, then that made me wonder if WWE struck a deal with Ronda Rousey and they didn't want to take that belt off Becky Lynch so they can do the Ronda Becky match. We should have got last year. Right. Um, then we had Sami Zayn defending his IC championship against Daniel Bryan. Sami Zayn had the artist collective known as uh, Cesaro and Nakamura in his corner. Daniel Bryan had drew Gulak in his corner. This match was fun. They oh, yeah. once again beat the shit out of each other, as everybody did on both nights of WrestleMania. But they went really hard at vocalizing, having lines, dialogue, telling a story. Sami Zayn being his just the Sami Zayn that we've always never knew we wanted is what we're getting right now. And Sami Zayn of just being that chicken shit heel and just running and hiding behind Nakamura and doing whatever he can to eke out a win, which he did do here at WrestleMania as he beat Daniel Bryan and retained his IC championship. This match was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I, I found myself really happy for Sami Zayn to have, um, you know, it's a very unique WrestleMania moment. And I, I know that this show um, is going to be, it's probably going to bring back a lot of feelings years from now, if we would go back and watch this one. But for the guys who are on it, like seeing Sami Zayn have a mania moment was really cool. Walking in as IC champion, having a dynamite match with Daniel Bryan and then winning good stuff. And by the way, I love the artist collective. I want this stable to I want the stable to succeed because it's got, you know, three great, great talents, but they do all three seem to have a lot of fun together. So I really hope it takes off. Yeah, they, I, I just want them because it seemed like until they really did this IC championship, Sami Zayn win for the most part, this whole artist collective really seemed like they were just job squad 2.0. They were just there to take the losses. And then all of a sudden they're now going, I don't know if somebody, a light bulb went off in someone's head and said, Hey, these are three mega talents that we have. And we're just giving them L's just to give them L's just to try to get other people over when they're getting themselves over. So I'm hoping that this is a really good push for them because, I mean, they can run rough shot over SmackDown. Yes, if they really wanted to give them the opportunity to. So yes. this was a fun match and it was the first match uh, so far this weekend that really took advantage of the empty arena to talk to each other and yell at each other and tell stories and do a lot of stuff, which made it unique. And made it, like I said, by this point, we're halfway through the day one. And I was going, all right, this is a good time. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm enjoying myself with this thing. Absolutely. Uh, then we got to the weirdest tag team match ever, which was the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match that didn't have tag teams. It was one member of each team 
John Morrison versus Jimmy Uso versus Kofi Kingston in a ladder match. And man, this thing would have blown the roof, metaphorical roof off of the stadium, because I don't think there there was a roof on that stadium. But I mean, 80,000 people really did deserve to see this match live. Like these three guys deserve to have a crowd for this match because they they did shit that like I really didn't expect anybody to do in front of no people. Yeah, this was probably my favorite overall wrestling match of the actual uh, two den- two night card. As far as pure wrestling, this uh, this did it for me. Entertainment value, I've got some other opinions, but um, I also thought the concept of one pe- person representing the team. I know they did this to keep people limited in the space, but I don't think this is something that you should forget about doing in the future. Because it does have the ability to make people within the tag team a little bit more over if they're representing the team itself, you know. Yeah. So the you know, you know the the belts were still on the line, and it was only one person fighting for that belt. So it's it just feel felt like a little bit more extra responsibility, which I thought was pretty cool. But this match was just top to bottom amazing. Um, again, like you said, eighty eighty thousand people should have seen this match, uh, but. Alas, we got what we got, and they still uh, just brought it top to bottom, and I give those guys a lot of credit. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was something else. Um, watching, yeah, uh, Morrison do that tightrope walk from one corner to the other, and then he just seamlessly went right into a Spanish fly off the top rope. It's like, come on. Um, they took some bumps that you knew hurt. Um, and then they had their finish, which I thought was really interesting because they had a ladder set up in the middle of the ring. They did a bridge from the rope to one of the ladders. There are actually two ladders, I think. Yep. And they had K- Kofi and Uso on one ladder. Morrison ran up the other ladder. He would, they All three were grabbing, and they actually pulled down the apparatus that holds the belts to it. And as they're all holding that, they both, uh, Kofi and Jimmy Uso, headbutt Morrison. Morrison falls backwards onto the ladder bridge, but he grabs both belts and pulls the belts off of the little apparatus that was holding him to the ceiling, and he won the match. And I thought that was a unique way to do that. So I thought that was interesting and made for a good, gave me a good pop. And it was a finish that, it was the first finish of the night that I felt coming, which was nice. Yes. Which was nice. Now, one of the other things I've noticed with these empty arenas so much and I know Corey probably get a kick out of it, was I can really tell that the belts are Velcro. I know Corey was freaking out not too long ago with us in text chat about, why did all these belts got Velcro on them? They're supposed to have buttons. And he was going on and on about it and with the Velcro, Velcro, Velcro. And I never even knew it until he said something. And then uh, now I can't unhear them ripping the Velcro as they take their belts off. Yes, it is such a funny thing that we're not supposed to hear, but in the world of no fans, we hear yeah. everything. So yeah. you hear that classic Velcro noise, and it it's just something that you didn't expect to hear mm-hmm. in a wrestling show, but here we are, Velcro belts. That's tw- the world of wrestling in 2020. But that was a solid wrestling match, and definitely, at least for night one, was kind of the biggest, I think, But yes. of pure wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we moved into, after months, six months of rivalry, we had Kevin Owens versus the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, one-on-one, and they had a, they had a solid match, as you would expect the two of these people to go. Um, they fought for a good 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden, Seth Rollins hit Kevin Owens with the ring bell, 
they added edited in a comical ding noise as it crashed against Kevin Owens' skull. And then I thought that match was ending with the DQ and everybody was texting me and I'm going for real out of all of the build for this match. They're going to end it with a DQ and Kevin Owens heard Twitter explode and knew that he was going to get shit on and they were going to all just this match was going to fall apart and no one was going to care. So he grabbed the microphone and said, nah, Seth Rollins, this is not how we're ending this match. Come back out here. No rules. Seth Rollins started salivating at the idea of having no rules. And they went another 10 minutes with no rules, beating the crap out of each other outside of the ring, throwing each other into tables, ladders, chairs. Ring bell came back into play with the comical editing sound effect as well. And then all of a sudden, Seth Rollins got laid out on the table. Kevin Owens climbed up on top of the WrestleMania sign, which had at least been 15 feet up, and he dropped an elbow. He floated as he fell down and dropped an elbow on Seth Rollins through the announce table, threw him in the ring, hit a stunner. Kevin Owens got the one, two, three, and defeated the Monday Night Messiah. This was this was a mania match, man. It was, and if you look at the whole thing, because that's what I'm gonna look at it. This was all one big match, you know. The, you know, with the DQ aside, you know, I think like this was the match they actually intended to show in front of a live audience. Because that's the exact thing you would have gotten if uh, you know a good twenty-minute match ended with a DQ. Suddenly, the crowd would have lost their mind, and then for Kevin Owens to demand he come back, and then has a crazy spot where he's jumping off the top of the entrance and gets the sunner, gets the win. This would have blown the roof off of the place, and I think that's why they wanted to keep it exactly how it was going to be told because that's. That's exactly what this was. And it was a nice way to end this feud. I'm curious to see what happens with Kevin Owens now. Once I, I have a feeling he's probably not going to be one of the people that is on television uh, because he cares about his family. And I know he doesn't want to, you know, possibly expose himself to anything. But regardless, this put him up in a good place for when he ultimately comes back. And then, you know, didn't hurt Rollins at all because he's Seth freaking Rollins and. He's the Monday Night Messiah, and as a heel, this guy can do no wrong, and I'm the first to admit that. I find Seth Rollins extremely entertaining in this character, and I love it. I just want him to stay heel forever. Yeah, he's he's every week he comes out with that character, he's getting a little bit more, and I know for a little bit we were complaining because it was the same thing, but that's just a raw problem of giving us the same matches over and over again and the same feud. I'm glad this is over and it does look like as we look ahead into our crystal ball now that it's been two weeks and we'll get to it, guys. We'll get to it, I swear. Rollins, I think there are big things in store for Rollins, which is awesome. So I, I enjoyed this match. It was a good time. Good time had by all. Speaking of not a good time had by anybody... We had the Universal Championship match, Bill Goldberg. Yeah, Goldberg versus mm. Braun Strowman. This was what The Fiend took a loss for at Super Showdown. He had to lose to Bill Goldberg, and this is what we got. Goldberg versus Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship. <laughs> you know, it's it's all good because, as we'll find out later on, The Fiend is in a great place right now. Um, I actually think it was the best move now to take the belt off of The Fiend. Because ever since he has not been champion, his storylines have been much more entertaining. But alas, we got to this point. Bill Goldberg was here. 
we built up to this match with Roman Reigns, and Roman did the smart thing and decided not to be at the show, which I have a ton of respect for him for doing. But alas, somebody had to fight Bill Goldberg and step in Braun Strowman, who proceeded to squash Bill Goldberg, which, you know, it wasn't an entertaining match, but damn it, did I enjoy seeing Bill Goldberg get squashed. That is something that I don't know if we've ever seen before. So did Lesnar squash him once? Maybe. Yeah, I think he did squash him once. The only thing I do kind of take, uh, you know, even though I enjoyed it, I really would have liked to have seen them try to give us a perfect Goldberg match, like with the ability to edit and do things that we have with an opportunity like this. I thought we would get some type of crazy two Goliaths fighting it out and crazy camera shots and, you know, just an over the top way to no, that can't possibly be this good match, but they yeah. just took the easy way and that's yeah. okay. But I, I guess I would have liked to have seen more, but this is what they gave us. Yeah. Have, have the two of them give us a wrestling clinic for like yes. 35 minutes. Exactly. Kickouts, near falls, backflips, right. just doing all kinds of crazy shit. You can see the wires that's attached to Braun Strowman as he's doing there's, double backflips. There's like Zack Ryder stepped in as, as Braun Strowman at one point. It's clearly him with a yeah. beard, you know, gummied on his face and everything. You know, God, that would have been amazing. That would have been so amazing. <laughs> but yeah, this was as expected. Now, of course, this did have the little bit of a wrinkle in. What was going to happen? Because, you know, everybody assumed that Goldberg was going to drop the belt to Braun Strowman. Or, sorry, to Roman Reigns. So then was he still going to do it to Braun Strowman? Or was Braun Strowman or was Goldberg going to take the win, keep hold on to the belt until Roman Reigns can come back and drop it to him and say SummerSlam or another time? They went the route of putting the belt on Braun Strowman. So we'll see what Braun Strowman can do with the championship now that he's got it and see what kind of champion he'll be, if he's going to be transitional footnote in the history of championships or if they're going to actually go all in with him. I really hope they don't make him transitional because let's face it, the guy definitely deserves some type of a reign. He has worked for it. I personally think he would be much better in a heel persona as well with the belt and I kind of hope that once uh, we start getting back to maybe regular arena shows, uh, that he is uh, more of like a monster heel, because mm -hmm. I think he also can pull that off very well. And I'd like to see what he could do against Roman Reigns, to be honest. I know that they've had feuds in the past, but this, you know, could add a different dynamic to things. And, you know, I hope they don't go this route, but I think they may. You know, maybe months from now when we're kind of starting to get a little bit behind all this, mm -hmm. you may be able to say, oh, well, you decided not to go to Mania. So that's why I took your spot. And even though it's it's a very risky storyline, WWE is not afraid to play that card. So that may happen in the future, which would be good TV. It really would. It could be. So we'll kind of see. But this match was what we thought it would be. Four minutes. It was three spears, four power slams and a new universal champion in braun Strowman, and then we moved on man the boneyard match undertaker versus aj styles main evented wrestlemania night one what is your opinion has aj styles now main evented a wrestlemania i'm gonna say that i'm gonna say he has and i'm also gonna say that this was so much fun this was so much fun and 
whether you have you know full arena shows or not i hope they continue to do matches like this once in a while because i really enjoyed this top to bottom this was a lot of fun this was this was yeah i had a smile on my face this whole time um they did a cinema style match for those who might not have seen it if you have the opportunity go watch this match find and try to find the actual match don't find the clips because they don't do it justice in any way they fought in a cemetery, AJ Styles, but they had dialogue, they had special effects, they had camera angles. Uh, Undertaker didn't take a bump the whole time, so I'm sure he felt good the next day instead of needing to spend the next six months in you know, recovery. And they beat the hell out of each other in a movie-style match that had druids. It was like the putties from the Power Rangers surrounding the Undertaker, and he just took them all out. We had the OC, we had Biker Taker came back, blasting to Metallica. And the American badass who then transformed into Dead Man Undertaker when he rose from the grave. Like, they had everything in this match. And it was just, like, the cheesiest, best short film that was based on, like, an 80s action movie you've ever seen. (laughs) That is a perfect description of it, Chris. And the other thing I really liked about it is, and then this is actually maybe a little sad, but I also think maybe it's, it's where it needed to be. This version of The Undertaker... I could have easily watched this version of The Undertaker for the past five years, if not more. He was everything he's ever been. There was mean Mark involved in this storyline because of how open AJ was about talking about his wife and everything. So you had mean Mark Calloway here. You had old school Undertaker pulling out the supernatural stuff. But then you had the American badass. He was every character he's ever been this night. And part of me thinks, wow, maybe this is how he does go out. But the other part of me is sad because it's like, I just wish I could have had this guy for a few more years. So now we don't know how long these arena shows are going to last. So, I mean, yeah, you don't want to overdo this whole, you know, cinema movie style match and you don't want us to get sick of it. But at the same time, you still got to put something together. I mean, SummerSlam could be at the Performance Center. So, you know, so we don't know how long this is going to have to go. And you still have to have, you know, the hardcore fans are the ones that are watching wrestling right now. So... I mean, you got to do something to make us. And that's where I was writing that article and talking about doing Sting versus Undertaker. You know, it's like Sting has always wanted it. He he still does not stop talking about it. He can get cleared to do a match like this. I mean, this is just, you know, this is just making a movie. And how cool would that be? Because you could actually do some of Sting's supernatural stuff that he had during his WCW run. That They can make that match worth it. There's no way, I mean, shit, and even AJ Styles versus Undertaker, if they would have done this match in the arena, it would, have, it would not have been, it wouldn't have been anything. It would have just been no. a match that happened at Mania. I can't imagine anything happening in front of a live crowd that they would have done that would have made it outside of Undertaker showing up on a, on a bike and being the American badass Undertaker coming back. I don't imagine that match being anything but a typical Undertaker match in this day and age where you just look and go, oh, you know? Right. And that's the thing. I would say the last, you know, besides this match, what the last, let's just say the last three years, we've left every WrestleMania thinking, when is this guy going to be done? And instead this year, he steals the show. Yep. So he's leaving this year with the best buzz he's had from a mania in a long time, which, like I said, part of me wants him to just say, yep, I'm done. But another part of me is like, okay, if you can pull that off, I can keep watching you, bro. 
Yeah, yeah, right. Keep <laughs> doing those. And that's where it's like, it seems like they're going to head with The Undertaker towards some Survivor Series being the end. You know, they talked about that documentary. They did a, after night two, they did showed us the first 15 minutes of The Undertaker documentary or the limited series that's coming to the network. It's Mark Calloway talking about The Undertaker and his career. And one of the things they really push in that series is the story of when is it time to go? So it seems like, and it's called like the last ride. So I'm assuming that that mini series is going to start and lead up into survivor series, which would be his last, his 30 year anniversary. And that'd be his last event and his last match. So that's what I'm imagining they're going to do. And the story they're going to tell is November. So you have till this time and now it's going to be undertaker's last match. And the Boneyard match and the praise that he has gotten from that and the electricity that's come from that and the excitement, I don't imagine him wanting to hang it up at this point if he can keep doing those. And like I said, being able to give us some matches that we never thought we'd see and being able to take advantage, like I said, Sting Undertaker in a cinema-style match would be worth watching. And like I said, you can have the magic, you can have the mystique, you know, all the thing and make them both look great. That would be really cool for SummerSlam, in my opinion. I don't know. Now you got me thinking if it if that is what happens in Survivor Series is his last match. Uh, who could? I mean, that's a lot of pressure, man. Oh, like you are the last person the dead man is going to face in the ring. Like whoever that is, like is going to be. That's such a huge deal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they do that. If they go for like a nostalgia match or do they try to put someone over with it? Yeah. But the Boneyard match was a blast. It was a good time. I want to see, uh, I'd love to see more of that. And I hope we do get to see more of that because that would be pretty cool. It would. Pretty, pretty cool. And with that, we have reached the end of night one of WrestleMania 36, the show that was too big for one night and proved that it was also too big for just one show. So look forward to part two of our WrestleMania Better Late Than Ever recap. Ladies and gentlemen, it is always a pleasure when we get together. Take it easy, guys.